Hello and welcome to the 2019 F1 Strategy Report, powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. My name's Michael Laminato, and this is Round 10, the British Grand Prix. For the second race in a row, Formula One has dished up an instant classic, and though Lewis Hamilton managed his seventh win of the season, the result was anything but boring, with action up and down the field. The Grand Prix hinged on a mid-race safety car, but could Lewis Hamilton have got the job done anyway with his own secret strategy? To help answer that question and dissect one of the best races in recent years and perhaps even my memory, or maybe I've just got a poor memory, I'm joined by ESPN Associate Editor Nate Saunders. Nate, how are you doing? Hey mate, I'm good, thank you. And if your memory's bad, mine is bad as well, because I can't remember <laughs> a better one. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Maybe one of the Bakus was good. Yeah. One, one of the two Bakus. <laughs> one of them, uh, yeah. But again, they've all just kind of merged into one. It was definitely the first 20 laps, pretty much as entertaining as you can get, I think, for a race for the lead and a race for the second podium, sorry, the third podium spot, as mm-hmm. it was. You don't get that often. Wheel to wheel for both of those things. So that was really good. Almost unbecoming of Formula One. It was racing in a style we're not exactly used to in recent times. Well, it's like the, it's like all the drivers read what everybody wrote about the French <laughs> Grand Prix, and it's like you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change things around because you know I was pretty critical of F one after the French Grand Prix. Uh-huh. I think a lot of people were, and I think that those criticisms are still very valid mm-hmm. if you look at what's fundamentally wrong with Formula One. But this showed how close it could be, how, how close mm-hmm. it is to being an incredibly great sport every week mm-hmm. because it has because it's it's based on certain ingredients you know great circuit mm-hmm. drivers being able to race close together uh weirdly the tires seem to be less of an issue at the last two races you know we've, we've heard yeah. drivers saying oh, i can't push i can't push and then two races where mm-hmm. it's been less of an issue you know and i know that there's, there's different reasons at both circuits for that but it's interesting how it's swung around it's yeah. almost like we needed to, we needed the low point of the french grand prix <laughs> before formula one could move on you know and hopefully now we've turned a corner and we'll just get entertaining races from now on yeah well, and then, 11 and, races in and a row now yeah. in, in october we'll be like we don't need new rules let's just keep everything the same <laughs> and then we'll get to pull a card next year and we'll say ah oh, oh man again again yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like how did we see the signs yeah, and strange. we'll be writing the same pieces and then yeah start again it's almost cyclical isn't it there were a lot of reasons why this race turned out to be so good and some of them were just because well we've got a lot of good drivers and some good cars this uh this year uh one of them though i mean we've got we can go from the highs of saying god there's a battle from the lead and there was a battle for third place i want to talk about asphalt oh good this is (laughs) yes let's get into it the circuit was newly resurfaced this year sounds very boring and you could say that it is boring uh it was a resurface only after one year last year it was quite bumpy but also more critically if anyone watched the MotoGP race last year well you couldn't have because it wasn't one <laughs> yeah. because the circuit was flooded because the drainage was very poor but this year they've done it again uh and it's not just the surface that's changed but even some profiles of the corners have changed cambers have changed yeah. which actually made the circuit in some respects a, a different challenge to what it was last year yeah and we saw that on friday practice especially you know that was probably probably one of the most chaotic fridays that you can mm. you can think of i know we had we had quite a lot happen on one of the practice sessions in austria but there was just drivers just couldn't keep their cars on on the on the road so yeah a lot of their and a lot the, the curious thing there is that obviously the simulators wouldn't be able to simulate mm-hmm. changes in camber like you say so a lot of drivers probably had the memory of last year how cars were uh, how certain bits of the track were and were being caught out by that um yeah i i, I Maybe we should resurface the track every, <laughs> every every race and then just ditch Friday practice and go mm. straight into qualifying. Well, because I'm a big advocate of, I think I've said this on the show before, that we should just scrap Friday practice and go yeah. straight into qualifying because we always see so many errors on a Friday and then by Saturday all the teams mm. are just in perfect shape because they've spent the whole night going over it. Mm-hmm. 
and that's even doubly more so when the tracks resurfaced so yeah well i think the the last episode coincidentally enough was last year's us grand prix which had right. no practice on running it was yeah. rained out from memory that's right uh, and not completely dissimilar situation here obviously no rain despite being in england i suppose despite it threatening for most of the weekend and never actually happening i, th- I swear there was the same rain cloud yeah. above <laughs> the circuit for four days just sat there it yeah. was just like oh no i'm all right i really expect it to rain once the race had finished which normally <laughs> tends to be the case yeah. but not even then yeah. which is impressive but there was such a great setup change between for so many teams from Friday to Saturday because their expectations did not meet the reality during practice. Ferrari uh, is one we should speak of in particular because they seem to be really in a dark place on Friday. Not only did they not expect to do well here, and we'll talk in a minute why they should have expected to do well, but the tyres were being worn so badly on that Friday that had we used that as projection for Sunday, the result wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think actually that if you look at what they did overnight you could easily make the case that Leclerc made a much better step mm-hmm. made a much better change than Vettel did because Vettel's pace on Saturday was still really nowhere mm-hmm. and it's like he was basically learning all over again from scratch and I think Leclerc probably was in a better position but yeah it was it was not the narrative everyone was expecting and on Friday a lot of the drivers were talking about the tarmac and kind mm-hmm. of the need to change things around I know Daniel Ricciardo was saying that you know there were things that basically they'd come into the weekend expecting A mm-hmm. and they'd gone into Friday night doing C you know and C mm-hmm. wasn't even part of their battle plan so that's that's quite interesting and I think that again that adds to some of that variation and unpredictability because if the teams don't you know aren't expecting things on a on a Friday night mm-hmm. then it's it bodes well for Saturday and for Sunday and I think Ferrari probably what, what do you think closer than I mean definitely closer than Friday suggested but yeah I came into Saturday not expecting them to be even in a fight with Red Bull. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, if they're, if they're looking as bad as they were, um, yeah, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, that's definitely yeah. the way it looked in Friday practice because they were, they were wearing those tyres so hard that even by the third sector of a, of a lap yeah. of a qualifying simulation run, the tyres were gone. Yeah. It was over. And then to, to get to Saturday and Leclerc was 0.076 or something like that. It was, less than I a think it was closer than that. Even, even closer than z- that, yeah. Actually, no, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. You know, well, we'll, we'll say one of us is... It was very close. Yeah, the point close. is it yeah. was very close. Yeah. Between the game. He was on for pole, essentially, yeah. um, is the way to put it. And even Max Verstappen, Red Bull sort of played, a, I guess, a bit of a third character in this race, given that, mm. I mean, Ferrari's nominally the championship challenger, so we talk a little bit more about them. But even Max said, who was, I think, one, maybe one and a half tenths off pole, said... It was largely down to turbo lag problems, which I've never experienced before. They didn't yeah. get the, the energy um, working correctly to, to fire up the turbo. So potentially, this was a three-team fight for pole, except for Sebastian Vettel, and except for Pierre Gasly. But uh, we've talked <laughs> about them before. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but that's the weird thing with Gasly, is his season was so bad up mm. to that point that his qualifying still seemed pretty good. And that's not to patronise yes. the guy, because but he's been so off colour, and, you know, he had a good Friday, and then I think he was three-tenths off max on Saturday. About that, yeah. But he was still in the top six fight. Mm. You know, the previous races he'd just been he'd been absolutely nowhere. You know, it's like he'd been driving a different car. So, um, yeah, I think yeah for Gasly that he said it was the best weekend, best qualifying of the season, well, which says a lot about his year yeah. so far. That's just a little tangent. But well, just to digress very briefly here because we might mention him a little bit later on in terms of the race strategy. But yeah. I thought what was really interesting about Gasly, we've talked about him so much over the course of this season, given that he's done quite poorly is that he came into this weekend for no particular reason saying, this is going to be my breakthrough. This is going to be the best week of the year. And they were like, okay, sure thing, mate. Yeah. Very good in practice, in qualifying, relatively close to Verstappen. In the race, did admirably, given that he yeah. was on a slower strategy. 
no particular reason for him to have done so well this weekend, but for some reason he strung it together. Yeah, I mean, he said he was talking a lot about the work they had done with the team mm. between um, Austria and Silverstone, but. I mean, he surely has been doing that same work all year. You know, I, I mean, uh, sh- surely there are things that they've identified where he's maybe struggling. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Maybe he's been given a vote of confidence that's eased mm-hmm. some pressure. Because Red Bull, by the sounds of it, you know, if you're in a, a spiral, we sort of fear, yeah. must be a horrible place to go mm-hmm. racing. Especially when you're, that's just if it's just you. If you're there with Max Verstappen, it must be horrible. So, yeah, I think something changed mm-hmm. and the fa- I'm, you know I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him if he can do two more good races and go into the summer break with some good form I think that bodes well for him because yeah about two weeks ago you'd have put money on him not making the end of the season wouldn't you yeah, uh, exactly in, that, right. in that seat so yeah. so, so yeah. wait and see how that goes uh, to return briefly to Ferrari before we yeah sorry I won't tangent again no no, no I <laughs> value a good tangent on this program uh, the reason part of the reason why they were so quick and this wasn't uh, aside from the setup changes they made on Friday was that this circuit Whereas I suppose in seasons past, generations past, in terms of cars, you might have said this should have been a Mercedes track. And this is what Ferrari was saying as well. The cars have such a high latent level of downforce. Every car, including the Williams car, believe it or not, (laughs) that so much of this circuit is now essentially a a straight, which then swings things back towards Ferrari's engine. Yeah, and and it's weird, isn't it? Because that's kind of what we saw in previous years with Mercedes Mm. in some circuits was that some circuits were so quick that they, they just retained that advantage and now ferrari has that engine advantage so yeah i think um christian horner said that come race day the ferrari was so hard to catch in a straight line mm-hmm. and that's where where they were then kind of brought back into that fight with red bull was the fact that the car yeah was just performing so well so that was surprising and i don't know i guess bodes well for ferrari mm, in well, a way i suppose so uh given that there's some circuits coming up where maybe you could say have similar characteristics a little bit that you wouldn't have normally mm-hmm. given ferrari uh, a tip of the cap to so yeah um, I'm glad they were closer because it looked at one point like it was just going to be Mercedes <laughs> Ferrari just floundering around not really knowing what they're going to do and then um, Max somewhere up there you know do, yeah. doing his thing so it's good it was a good result and I suppose circuits like Spa certainly well for Ferrari's sake Monza you'd think that's a track they could be doing well at. well yeah I think if, if they don't win at Monza then they're probably going to have a serious look at themselves because that at the moment looks like the most logical place to win a race mm-hmm. Spa as well you'd, you'd say yeah. potentially I mean definitely has characteristics where they should be strong mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think they're not going to win the championship this year but that oh. should that should have that sh- you know that should have raised optimism that they can at least salvage something with some yeah. wins. Yeah, sorry, I'm putting my neck on the line and saying <laughs> saying Ferrari won't win the championship. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw you. You look shocked then, but that's just my opinion, <laughs> You're man. You got to yeah, You're breaking my heart. <laughs> you know, it would be a great comeback, wouldn't it, if they won somehow? Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it, it, completely hypothetical yeah, situation. Exactly, yeah. but it, would but it would be. It would be. You'd be absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to pick up from qualifying, though, other than the closeness, we had the start of an interesting tyre strategy we didn't actually mm. get to see this completely come to fruition given there was a safety car intervention but yeah. I thought what was really interesting about this was that the medium tyre not for the first time was was favoured in Q2 for those expecting to be in the top 10 shootout Mercedes and Red Bull Racing both used it Ferrari appeared to be thinking about it at the start in fact they set their first lap in Q2 on the medium yeah. but then changed their minds towards the end and Leclerc and Vettel both went on the soft and it seemed to be only because they wanted to do something different without any grander plan in mind yeah it's weird I think with Vettel they had to just to be safe because his Mm -hmm. first lap I think he was about 7th after the first runs on the medium so to be safe 
you go out, you know, Leclerc yeah. obviously dropping out into Q1 in Monaco was yeah. was around what they did with tyres and not being uh, very sensible with things. So I think that made sense. But Leclerc was top, wasn't he, with the medium tyre? So, yeah. And then went and improved on the soft tyre, which, unless it was purely, like you say, to give them a different strategy to Mercedes, it doesn't seem... Get, and obviously, with hindsight, we know how the race panned mm-hmm. out and that it was definitely better to start how Mercedes and Red Bull did. But yeah, I... I I guess I think the I think Ferrari have been a bit spooked by what happened in Baku, so they put yeah they they put Leclerc out on the that was the medium tire mm-hmm. the less grippy tire, which you know they should have won in Baku they did that to get a strategy advantage mm-hmm. and obviously it gives you less grip mm-hmm. at Baku he made a mistake went into the wall obviously ruined his race but I think it has less danger of going into the wall in Silverstone you know yeah, uh, that sure. that was just a tiny mistake and he mm-hmm. hits a wall but I wonder if that's just got into their psyche now and they think well, mm-hmm. we but that's the only way you can explain it because he already had the time set on the soft tyre so mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand what was going on which is probably the catchphrase for Ferrari's season right now <laughs> we will get to more we don't yeah. know what's going on Ferrari but what did you, I mean what did, what, did what? you think there was a was it just for the convenience of having an offset strategy because I, I suppose there's an argument there if you think two strategies are going to be close, mm-hmm. why not try the other one? Especially if you think the other guys have potentially got a quicker car for the circuit, as Ferrari did think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's something to it. Maybe they were anticipating an earlier safety car. You know, potentially. Um, because there, there's actually quite a lot of safety cars at Silverstone. It's quite common. Despite uh, the fact that there's quite a lot of runoff. Yeah. It's not so close. If you actually think back historically, recently, recent mm-hmm. um, past, there's been loads. So that might have coloured the decision a bit. What do you think? Yeah, well, it's interesting because, and this goes back a little bit to the Friday data that in essence sort of proved faulty by the end of Sunday, not because it was incorrect, but because there was so much learning done over the course of those two days that it seemed like there wasn't really going to be much difference between the soft and the medium. In fact, a lot of a, a lot of teams, whilst very vehemently justifying whatever tyre they chose, then went on to say, oh, but there's not a lot of difference. So it doesn't make a lot of difference. I do love those tyre, like... Uh, clarifications that teams have where they're like well there's this there's this but you know probably nothing in it and <laughs> yeah, you, you have to change them anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think a little bit of that played into it and they, we talk a lot about the idea that well the soft tyre off the line offers this great grip advantage you'll get the lead <sighs> I can't remember the last time that actually happened well if if you were seeing people on the soft tyre like whizzing into turn one and the guys yeah. on the medium like chugging along <laughs> in sick I think there'd be a big argument to it but it, it's it's minimal and I guess maybe you know minimal could be the difference between getting yeah. to turn one a bit ahead of another guy but it seems to be a stretch of an argument that that's your only reason to put a yeah. guy on the soft tyre if think it's just for the advantage off the line there's the factor that and this is something we can look at and consider particularly with Mercedes different strategies regardless of the safety car is that after Friday there was such a strong idea that this was going to be a two stop race and for mm. most people it was yeah. but there was evidence that it didn't have to be but there was such a strong idea it was going to be a two stop race that if you start on the soft and the medium the difference between them is not so much. There's not that much greater flexibility earned on the medium if you're going to stop twice. Yeah. And in the end, that proved to be kind of incorrect because as Hamilton showed at yeah. the first into the race, that's not the way this race had to pan out. And if we look at this strategy in particular, okay, the safety car played a role. We'll talk about it in a second. But Hamilton, mm. among a couple of other drivers, showed that a stop straight from the medium around yeah. lap 20, coincidentally enough with that safety car, and then onto the hard, was enough to make it to the end. And the fact yeah. he set that fastest lap right on his final lap proved it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fastest lap was super impressive because, you know, he's that's right at the end. That should mm. be when the tire's struggling. And, you know, Bottas had just put on, I think they were used soft tires. Yeah. Um, but 
he was able to beat Bottas's time on a set of Yusuf. So clearly, I think people just massively misjudged the the hard tire mm-hmm. uh, in this case. The Hamilton one is is really interesting because he clearly. By the sounds of what he said afterwards, he wanted an offset strategy. We were mm-hmm. talking about Ferrari and offset strategy, but obviously, if the other guy you're racing for the win against is in the same car, you need some variation. Mm-hmm. And he obviously saw that the hard tire gave sorry the well the 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 one stop and moving onto the hard tire gave him that. And I guess he would have known that in his back pocket he could always stop again if he mm-hmm. had to, and probably give a Mercedes advantage. And what we've seen him, re- if you take Austria out of the equation he probably still would have been okay to score a podium. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting call. And I, it's quite interesting that he kind of went against what the team wanted him to do mm-hmm. and said ahead of the race, you know, they said, you can do a two-stop. And he said, no, I'm staying out, you know, doing yeah. this one-stop strategy. And um, it, I, I mean, like you say as well, the safety car kind of ruined how it would have played out because mm-hmm. it would have been fascinating. I think he said he could have just sat behind Valtteri for the whole race. Mm-hmm. Knowing that either Valtteri's tyres would have just completely gone off at one point or he, Valtteri would have had to pit he would have had to pit either way I guess so yeah really interesting um, I was going to raise something that I thought was actually kind of more fascinating from a Mercedes point of view is why they stuck Bottas they did medium medium with him yes and this is really that what ruined, decided the race yeah because that to me I can totally understand that them saying okay we'll do a two stopper with you but that meant that regardless of what happened he had to stop mm-hmm. again and it doesn't give you much flexibility in a safety car window as we saw with that you know if Verstappen has still been in play I think Bottas would have finished third mm-hmm. because yeah, if you think about and that's and that's what Horner said afterwards he said if Vettel hadn't hit Verstappen he would have had the track position and probably the pace difference wasn't that big so weirdly risky by Mercedes it's unusual that we do have the opportunity to criticize Mercedes yeah, but I think this really goes back to the fact that so many people bar one of the exceptions being Lewis Hamilton apparently mm. was so convinced that this was a two-stop that switching Bottas from a medium to a medium and thereby mandating a two-stop because you have to use two different t- compounds of tire was a really at the time seemed logical but really essentially stitched him up more so than the safety car on its own because had he gone for what would have been a a more flexible less quick strategy in the middle of the race but ultimately more flexible Mm. hard compound tire in the middle in which he effectively would have lost nothing okay might have been a bit slower but a second pit stop which we're already banking on for a medium or a soft at the end would have then essentially been cost neutral Uh, yeah you would have had it out Exactly right. And there was no out for Bottas. He had to do two stops at that point. And Lewis didn't have to do a second. And that, more than the safety car, stitched him up. Because while Hamilton already had this plan, this is worth talking about as well. Because it's it's, it's very rare that we talk about a driver dictating strategy compared to a team strategy point of view. Uh, Mercedes went in, as we sort of said, with this idea they were definitely going to do a two-stop. Talk about Lewis wanting to do an offset, but in his head it was less so an offset and more just a completely different strategy. The real shame here is not that uh, necessarily the safety car jumped him ahead, but we didn't get to see how these two strategies would have met because he was convinced that stopping it around lap 20, maybe lap 22, onto the hard, would have been enough to get him past Bottas two-stopping. It's hard to say whether or not that would have happened, but it would have been a fascinating end to this race. Well, yeah, and I think he he pointed out, so he finished about 21 seconds up the road of Bottas, Mm -hmm. which is obviously once Bottas has made his stop for the softs on lap 45. And he said, said, well, that gap, I probably would have had about the same Mm -hmm. gap anyway, because obviously Valtteri would have still needed to pit anyway. So he really said that, you know, if you take the safety car out of the equation... The race probably still would have finished exactly the same. Mm, maybe just, maybe ten more seconds on yeah. Hamilton's time because about a ten second stop I think behind a safety car compared to twenty. Yeah, so, so I think he was anticipating he'd still have a healthy lead over mm-hmm. over 
over Bottas and yeah it it all comes down as well doesn't it to the the argument about track position in Formula One mm. you know do you how much do you value track position over a quick slightly quicker strategy on paper mm-hmm. and in this position Lewis was laughing because even if he was, he came out of that stop even if there had been no safety car and let's say he stopped on lap 22 came up behind Bottas I think he would have just sat there the whole race even Lewis might have just sat there the whole race maybe he'd have tried yeah. to pass him but he wouldn't have needed to mm-hmm. um, so yeah I kind of like you say rare time when we can just say Mercedes kind of messed up mm-hmm. and you don't often get to say that and it's a shame as well because it's on Bottas you know if they'd messed up on yeah. Lewis I think it it, it kind of makes things a bit more interesting in terms of the championship. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we know that Lewis isn't exactly <laughs> keen on that happening. Yeah. Uh, and is very vocal about it. So, yeah, it just, it's just kind of a shame that what was a classic start to a race was kind of kind of fizzled out. Yeah. I think we all would have wanted to see how that played out. And they might have yeah. met at the end and been, it might have been very close. It might have been Lewis just waltzing to the flag, but mm-hmm. not knowing is the frustrating thing yeah especially on a weekend where Bottas put in a pretty well-rounded performance Uh, not only scoring pole by a very slim margin but the fight that he fought back with Hamilton at no point did it look like he was willing to concede position for hope that strategy might save him this was a race he was going to fight to win would have been fascinating to see that logical conclusion of him fighting to keep that lead or overtake Hamilton and reverse the roles by having two stops to one yeah 100% and I mean, this was the first time we really saw Bottas get his elbows out. Like mm-hmm. when, when Hamilton went past him at Luffields, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's game set and match. It's yeah. done. And that speaks volumes to what we've come, not come to expect, but Bottas is just, occasionally he's just not quite had that fight. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'll never forget, it was, uh, I think, Bahrain last year. You know, mm-hmm. he was chasing Vettel, chasing Vettel. And yeah. everyone said, why didn't you lunge at the end? And you mm-hmm. look at some of the guys on the grid, Verstappen, Ricardo, and Lewis, mm-hmm. you know they would have gone for it. Bottas didn't and you know maybe it's easy to sit here and say that so it was good to see that Bottas coming out of that corner so well actually mm-hmm. on your home ra- you know it's your home race I'm not going to let you boss me around and that move back at Cops was great you know yeah. he gets back on the inside and I don't think Lewis was expecting it if you look mm-hmm. where Lewis positions the car I don't think he expects that Bottas is going to come back and I think that yeah. again says where Bottas is so it's a shame that he's probably kept come out of the weekend quite deflated because it was such a good performance to that point and he, yeah. he really didn't do anything wrong yeah he w- did really nothing wrong it just mm. was that you know some you know, lady luck went against him massively yeah that's what we call Antonio Giovinazzi in the paddock I think <laughs> yeah. his drive shaft I think is the speculated upon reason for him to end up in the gravel well I mean there's a few there, there'll be a few things Bottas can look at last year that cost mm. him you know tiny bit of debris in Baku for example yeah exactly and now he can just point at you know, <laughs> an Italian guy that drives for Alfa Romeo uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I'm sure there'll be some kind of tension between them yeah. from now on. Uh, that's how the battle for the lead panned out. But there was a, a great deal extra interest in the battle for the podium. It was mm. Leclerc versus Verstappen for a lot of the race. Uh, and there are a couple of different flashpoints in this one. Let's talk about the first one very briefly. Though, the first pit stops on lap 13. They stopped on the same lap. Yeah. This is where the teams really came into play because they did not emerge from pit lane in the order they went in. No, they didn't. And that was actually... I- I'd forgotten about it in all the mm-hmm. in all the brilliant fighting that they did I watching some highlights I completely forgot briefly that they'd they'd done that amazing job by Red Bull when you see mm. it such a quick pit stop and Ferrari's wasn't slow yeah it was literally a, you know we were talking less than a second in it <laughs> I, I guess in terms of the turnaround and that's what I, that's the whole thing with strategy these days isn't it is that mm. it's all about how quickly you can get out of the pit lane mm. and yeah I, I love the fact that they went down wheel to wheel as well yeah. um, which obviously in Monaco Max couldn't do with Bottas because it's such a narrow pit yes. lane and uh, yeah but then he came out and he made a mistake right he mm-hmm. came out and 
Complained of a lack of grip on those yeah. tyres. Uh, it took him longer to get to get comfortable with them, whereas Leclerc was, you know, straight on it, and I think pretty much mm. got past him straight away. Uh, just quickly, I mean, how good was that Leclerc Verstappen fight? It was awesome. Superb. It was really. I, I thought what I really enjoyed about it, aside from the racing itself, was that we obviously had a bit of a taster in Austria, yeah. and they bummed. There was a bit of uh, let's say aggro after the race. There was a big investigation, and Charles Leclerc thought it was inconsistent. But he said ahead of Silverstone that, well, you know, I'm happy that this is the standard. But it'd be so easy to write that off as someone saying, well, you know, I accept it, but I don't accept it sort of thing. But the way they fought on track showed there didn't seem to be any bitterness or toxicity from that moment at all. That they were both genuinely happy that that is the standard because they yeah. both showed they were so capable of, of raising the, uh, of lifting themselves to that standard. And as a result, we've got this great, really long race between them. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a great moment that Leclerc showed. It was at the penultimate corner at Vale, mm-hmm. just after the safety car restart, I think. But he kind of goes around the outside of Vale and then on the final mm-hmm. corner, yes. forced Max wide. They didn't touch wheels, but he forced Max wide. And mm-hmm. if you actually put that next to the Austria moment, yeah. obviously the cars are the wrong way around in that case. Mm-hmm. But that seemed to me to be Leclerc saying, okay, I know where the boundaries are with Max. Yeah. And Max respected them, mm-hmm. Leclerc respected them. And then I think Max won the drag race. That's actually what got Max ahead of Leclerc and he stayed there from that point mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was great to see and uh, it's just again a shame I think that without the safety car they probably would have been fighting next to each other the whole race Leclerc yes. faded a bit back uh, because yeah as as this we, we as the graph that we're definitely not looking at in front of us <laughs> uh, shows he had to move on to a used set um, yeah. of hard tyres which uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting again. And he was really upset with the stra- with the way things have panned out. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was saying, "How did we lose positions?" And he dropped right to the bottom of that pack. Yeah. And suddenly, Vettel was the Ferrari well, this in the ascendancy, the, which the which must have which must have infuriated him because he'd really been much better than him all weekend to that point. This was the interesting second flashpoint that, that was not on the track, I should say, because there were plenty that were on the track. Mm-hmm. Is that this safety car really made Ferrari make some decisions? Now, as which, much as Lewis Hamilton, which, which they don't which, like to do, which we know. <laughs> I just I can't imagine what happens on a Ferrari pit wall when they have to make a decision. They just they're just like, oh, what are we? What are we? Yeah. What, happen, what happens here? Uh, I hope there's just a button that they press, and then they don't know what happens when they press it. Just some wires connect, yeah. and then something happens. Hamilton obviously capitalised a lot. He got a, a essentially free pit stop. Sebastian Vettel was next on the road because he hadn't already made that first pit stop. Mm. Lap twenty was pretty much right on the boundary when teams are starting to make these decisions to stop naturally. He was brought in uh, and, and gained a great deal because he was sixth at the time. In fact, he'd just been passed by Gasly yep. before Gasly pit. It was a little bit earlier, I should say. So it was net sixth, I should say. Um, gained third. Essentially came out third behind Valtteri Bottas. He gained a great deal. 15 seconds down the road, however, was Leclerc ahead of Verstappen. The two were battling. They didn't double stack. Mm. They chose to prioritise Sebastian Vettel in this position. And you can kind of understand why, of course. He was ahead of the road. He had a great deal to gain. But... And the question I asked you, because it's a deeply subjective matter, I suppose, given that Leclerc was very much the lead driver this weekend, was head and shoulders above Vettel for the entire weekend, was it correct to prioritise Vettel in a way that essentially should have, had Verstappen not had that crash towards the end, but would have cost him a podium place? Well, yeah, and I think this comes down to the, in Ferrari's head, and I think Bonotto said it ahead of the weekend. Mm-hmm. In their head, in the 50-50 decisions, Vettel still gets the, the call. And it's been a running joke, but I think it's because there's a, a huge degree of truth in it. Is that you, it's like they have the strategy for the number five car, and they're like, right, we've got all of these plans. And yep. and and I, I saw jokes going around on Reddit, people saying, oh, they just forgot they had a second yeah. car. And we've made that joke yep. time and time again this year. So 
it is weird that they because Mercedes there would have just double stacked exactly you know, and there was and, a big enough gap to do it yeah and we saw that in Monaco remember when mm. uh, was it Monaco this year they double stacked there's, there's been a there was yeah a it was one stack. of the races earlier this year I forget which one it was um, and it's just it's so impressive when Mercedes do that because mm-hmm. it immediately takes any of that doubt out of the equation you're yep. not leaving one driver out to dry and when you have a situation like that where people already assume you are doing that with one mm. driver if you then make a decision like this because I mean Leclerc yeah, he should have been. I think he was unlucky that he he was on a you know, Seb had done a good job to go longer mm-hmm. on the soft tire, so maybe he deserved sure yeah, priority yeah. treatment that way. But Leclerc should have still been brought in. So yeah, uh, really really strange. And to be honest with you, I when Vettel was on when, when the safety car happened like it did, mm-hmm. I had two thoughts. I thought, well, one, Hamilton's probably won this race. Yeah. Secondly, I thought, well, Vettel has to finish on the podium now. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see any way that he shouldn't have finished yeah. there. I just I don't know I just felt like it put him in such a good position and then and it should have yeah you're and right he, he just didn't have any pace a weekend the whole weekend I, whether he struggled to find exactly the setup that was he was comfortable with we know he's a I suppose a slightly more sensitive driver when it comes to extracting the maximum from a car he wants things exactly correct but yeah, it's exactly right he yeah. didn't have pace compared to Verstappen Verstappen well he didn't have to pass Pierre Gasly but he was moved past Gasly made up that ground because Verstappen at this point was on essentially two stops because he'd already made a stop before the, the safety car and then made one behind it they were both on hard tyres admittedly his were newer chased him down got the move done more to the point and then of course there was a crash yeah. uh, for Sebastian Vettel uh, I mean this I know this is not strictly speaking strategy but this is another crash for Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. There's, uh, I think you made the, the the probably poignant remark that it's been pretty much a year now since the last time he looked like a really world championship winning driver. This time when he won Silverstone last year, and and ironic enough that the one year anniversary this happens. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he's, they were showing highlights of it in Ferrari ahead of yeah, the weekend. This is right. Yeah, you're and right. I remember yep. looking at it and I was thinking, Seb looked amazing then. And yeah. obviously, two weeks later, Germany happened. Um, I think just as a like I know we we'll get, we get straight back onto the strategy stuff, um, but the the tagline and then there was a crash seems to, <laughs> seems to be like the tagline like it could be the final chapter in yeah. the biography on on Vettel because I just don't think I just think mentally he is gone. Mm-hmm. You know I just don't imagine him making that mistake at the start of 2018, mm-hmm. and it's so strange. Um, yeah, re- especially when you think about how good he used to be, yeah. how relentlessly good he used to be at the start of this decade. He's just a complete shadow of that. And I think that a lot of it must be, you know, if you're having a weekend like he had, mm-hmm. lack of pace, Max is just so fast as well. Yeah. And Vettel doesn't seem to deal now with that pressure so well like he might have used to. So, yeah, really, really strange. Sorry, that was another tangent. I've done no, about three. No, but any important one. Hey, uh, it affected the order of this yeah. race. Yeah. And Completely undid the good strategy work uh, Red Bull Racing had put in to get Max Verstappen into what was a podium-winning position. Yeah. Well, it did, it did win Ferrari a podium, though. So, yeah, well, technically, so you know, you did the good work. If anything, yeah. Vettel saw that he's... It's okay, if it's not going to be me, it's not going to be Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be, be Charles. <laughs> Uh, and just went for it so yeah maybe maybe that's the strategy layer that we uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a joke obviously by the way anyone, anyone listening I'm not I'm not I'm not accusing uh, Vettel of some sort of crash gate style scenario not just, yet just anyway. joking not wait, yet wait yeah. till it really starts to finish up for him <laughs> so that ro- essentially robbed Max Verstappen of a podium put Charles Leclerc back into a podium mm. winning position on uh, an accidental two stop I suppose if you like it wouldn't have been the way that it happened Pierre Gasly finished fourth um, again it's partly because Max Verstappen crashed out and I suppose Sebastian Vettel as well 
Um, but he did a one-stop. He was successfully did quite a long one-stop too because he wasn't so far off the pace despite running the hard tyres from lap 12. Mm. And this is our first hint as we run down the order that the one-stop actually was very possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's a quite an impressive stint because mm. obviously he didn't stop under the safety car and would have finished behind the behind Verstappen without that crash. But I think it's still pretty impressive that he went that far. And like you say, it vindicates that whole mm-hmm. idea. And if you actually look down the order, there's no one else that went as long no. for their second stint as him. Uh, obviously, that's with a safety car there. So, you know, mm-hmm. would he have done it without that's is, true. is a fair point. argument. Um, but, yeah, impressive. And it's easy for it. That's, that's the great thing about these strategy calls mm-hmm. is that we can now sit and look at that yeah. at the time. But I... I guarantee you, I reckon Red Bull assumed they would have to pit Gasly until the safety car happened. And then they thought, okay, we can go to the end with Pierre. That's why they didn't pit him again. Mm -hmm. Try and get that track position. I can only assume that's why they didn't bring him in again. Whereas with Max, they thought we can do something different. Um, And, crucially, put him on the hard tyre to go to the end. Mm -hmm. You know, if Max had gone onto the hard tyre on lap 13, I think he would have stayed out as well. Yeah. So so it's very much Red Bull realising that Mm -hmm. Gasly was in a good position. Let's do the same with Max, bring him in again. Yeah, and so, um, it all works together like that. One of the bigger gainers from a one-stop strategy that wasn't, of course, Lewis Hamilton, was Carlos Sainz, 13th yeah. to 6th in the end, thanks to... I'm calling, him, I'm calling him Sunday Sainz now, because <laughs> he's just so damn good on Sundays. It's, not that, it's two races in a row now, I think, where yeah. he's recovered a great deal on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he, people said Lewis was the big winner, the mm. safety car. Sainz easily was the mm. biggest winner on the grid, and that... Whenever you say that in F1, people think you're criticizing someone somehow. Mm. But the reason he was the big winner is because he went for 20 laps on the soft tire. So he yeah. did a really good job to start off. It's exactly the same as Lewis. You know, he was obviously, they were obviously thinking already of, mm. is he in one-stop strategy? And the, 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 when he heard the word safety car in his ear, he must have thought, this is, mm. this is beautiful because it elevated him. I think he then went straight to best of the rest yep. and basically stayed there the whole race. I think he had Ricardo behind him. Mm. Um, and the, yeah, signs was, signs was tremendous. And Norris, Bless Norris, like he was, <laughs> he was the opposite. That it really mm. caught him out, and he, I mean, he was upset on the radio about the strategy. I guess when he's come out of the car, he's probably seen that it's, it was just bad luck. But mm. yeah, science. Yeah, I mean, what what do you make of science recently? Because he seems to be the guy you want in your car if you're in the midfield team. At the moment, yeah, exactly he seems right. to be really good at getting the most of out of his tires. So mm. if you're a st- strategist, you must think this guy's great because mm. I can open up so many options to him. And he's just quick as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the pace is something that I feel like has always been slightly underestimated with Sainz. I think yeah. because he started partnered with Verstappen uh, and then he sort of had a little bit of a destabilized career since then. But the experience over that course of time, maybe that's because he's driven quite a few different cars now, means that he's got those sort of skills that are such so beneficial in the midfield when you're trying to find these tiny advantages given it's so tight to get an advantage over let's say Renault as is the case for McLaren this season uh, I mean Lando Norris is doing very well to keep him yeah. quite honest but yeah. signs occasionally those little percentages I suppose are, are helping him out but I mean in this case as you said Norris falling behind was 100% stu- due to strategy and if we have a look at the way pit stop strategy worked out with the exception of Kimi Raikkonen which is incredible because his strategy is a complete outlier Yeah, Kimi just, makes no sense when you look at it there's yeah. no way he should have finished where he did right? To stop on lap 17 off the medium onto the hard 
still finished in the points somehow. There's no yeah. real rhyme or reason other than the fact that he used those tyres extremely well. But with the exception of him, everyone who stopped behind the safety car gained. And that includes, of course, Carlos Sainz. Daniel Ricciardo made a second unscheduled stop, having already made a stop earlier in the race. And Daniel Kvyat behind him stopped, albeit one lap late behind the safety car, but still. Mm. And the losers, Hulkenberg, Norris, Albon, all chose not to stop because yeah. they were all having a crack at either a conventional two-stop or a long one-stop. And it's, yeah, and... <laughs> And that's the interesting thing because they also, those three started on the soft tyre mm-hmm. and they didn't stop again. Kvyat uh, and Ricardo both did start on the soft tyre as well, but mm. yet were still brought in for that second stop. So I think at that point it was just which pit will believe the one yeah. stop was possible still mm. and which one wasn't. And interestingly, that you can see a lot of teams there split their strategy. So look, yeah. Ricardo, Renault split, so they put Ricardo, pit him again, kept Hockenberg out. Uh, Toro Rosso, pit Kvyat again, kept Albon out. And obviously McLaren were kind of... I mean, I don't know what's happening with... Norris came in later, yeah. I guess he... I'm not sure if he had any contact with someone, but he pitted again, mm-hmm. completely out of sync of everyone else. But that was quite interesting. So you can see there that teams were basically gambling on one of their guys being on the right strategy and possibly one yeah. being on the wrong one and just hoping that it played out well. And it played out, of course, for 50% of them. It turned out that the stopping behind the safety car and running what essentially would have been like a one-stop, a long final stint, uh, but having the advantage of stopping later worked out for all of them because they were all right on the cusp on lap 20 and uh, it shows for no driver more so than Alex Albon who was on the medium tyre right through to the end a huge stint on that tyre uh, and it was only in the final few laps that it started to fade for him who was passed he was running in the points towards the end and passed by everyone on the one stop and even fell behind Norris and Hulkenberg but came within only a couple of laps of that strategy working out for him so it shows yeah. how fine a line it was yeah and and you have to wonder whether Mercedes thought about that with Bottas you know mm-hmm. obviously in the end there was they had such a big gap there was no need to do that but whether they thought hey you know we can bring this car home on the um, on the medium tyre but yeah Albon it was pretty painful at the end to watch because he just he obviously yeah. did the cut he'd just gone way too long on them and uh, yeah it must have been horrible you know in those final laps you've just, yeah. you just got nothing no way of defending at all because otherwise he would have been one of the one of the drivers of the day I think Albon because he did a really good job on those mm. on those soft, uh, sorry on those medium tyres in the second stint yep to make them last so long that's the way the strategy for the British Grand Prix panned out it was varied across the grid we had some great racing more to the point I think not simply tyre strategy dictating where everyone finished and as a result we've got a race that I mean I want to say probably won't be top this season but I want to leave my options open just in case it is I mean I don't know what to think anymore Michael I just have no <laughs> idea it could be we could be in Germany we could have we could have double the excitement or we could have <laughs> French Grand Prix levels of excitement I just don't know anymore it's hard to it's know it's fun again F- yeah. F- F1's back to oh will it be will it be quite dull will it be yeah. average will it be amazing <laughs> I love it it's hard to know when you don't come away from a race criticising the sport maybe you start to criticise yourself it becomes an internalised problem I'm not yeah. sure uh, but it was a pleasure to have a good race nonetheless it was a pleasure to analyse it with you Nate thank you very much That was ESPN Associate Editor Nate Saunders. The Strategy Report is powered by Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Play it for free on iOS and Android devices. If you want more Strategy Report, you can get every episode by subscribing on Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on your favourite podcast app, plus all of your socials. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a rating and a review to help other F1 fans find the show. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast, and if you're looking for an alternative take on the British Grand Prix, have a search for Box of Neutrals in your podcasting app of choice to hear Rob James and I lament that there aren't more rich energies in Formula One. I've been Michael Amanato. Look me up at Michael Amanato on Twitter, and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks for the German Grand Prix.